As I said earlier, we're continuing our series, Playlist, which is filled with songs that you, the congregation, have voted to include. And today we get that Motown classic, originally recorded by Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. I wanted to share some interesting facts with you about this song that you may not know. In fact, I did not know them until I did some research on them. This song was written by the dynamic duo of Nicholas Ashford and Valerie Simpson in 1966. This duo went on to write a whole library of classic songs like, Ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Remember that one? I'm no Ken Nelson, I'm sorry. And then Diana Ross's reach out and touch somebody's hand. Remember that one? Yeah. They wrote those songs in addition to all the other songs that they wrote, and they were a dynamic duo because they were married. Eventually they fell in love and got married. But when the song we heard from them today, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, was written, Ashford and Simpson's relationship was relatively new. The story goes that Nick Ashford was walking around New York City, completely head over heels, gaga over his new love, Valerie Simpson. And as he looked up, surrounded by some of the tallest structures in the United States, these towering skyscrapers, he thought to himself, not one of these massive buildings could keep me away from my new love. Not even the tallest mountain or the the deepest valley or the widest river. And he thought, aha. I've got something. And so they went back and they wrote this song. And after they wrote the song, a lot of artists wanted to record it. But Ashford and Simpson had higher hopes. They wanted to break into the Motown music scene that was really hot at the time and believed that this song might be their ticket into this already successful record company. So they held on to it and waiting for the right opportunity. And that opportunity came when Marvin Gaye, who was already a superstar with Motown, needed somebody to sing a duet with him. You see, he had sang a lot of duets, loved to sing with uh, partners, but all those popular songs that he sang duets with and all those partners had gone on to start solo careers and have uh, success and fame for themselves. So there he was, looking for a new piece of music and a new duet partner. And along comes this song, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Well, Marvin Gaye found Tammy Terrell, an up-and-coming talent, and decided to see if they gelled. So they recorded this song, and ironically, they recorded the song initially separately, singing their own parts without the other person present, and later stitching them into a duet. Well, obviously, it worked. They gelled. And this song went on to become their signature duet, their signature song, and hit number 19 in the Billboard Pop Music Charts. And I love this song, not only for its content, for the way it talks about two people sharing a love that surpasses any mountain or valley, a love between two people that ensures if you need me, call me, no matter how far, I'll be there. But I also love this song because I've had mountains on my mind a lot lately. My family and I just returned from a once in a lifetime trip to Alaska, and we could see mountains all around us as we cruised along the coast and stopped at our destination. Every day we woke up to see a new set of mountains in view with their rich green slopes and their snow-capped peaks. And so there I am, listening to this song to prepare for my message today, seeing firsthand some of those towering mountains and those yawning valleys that the song alludes to. 
But I also love this song because it pairs perfectly with the scripture we have before us today. As it talks about a love that cannot be contained, a love that cannot be overwhelmed, that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he writes these words we have before us from his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 37 through 39. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them up and read along with us. Or if you have the WC Life app on your phone, you'll find our reading today there. Also, as you can already see, it's on our screens. Hear these words from Paul, Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, Paul writes, that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, all these things that Paul is writing about are the present struggles and challenges and sufferings the faithful in Rome are facing. And Paul writes this letter to them to instill hope and comfort, to encourage them to remain steadfast and strong in their faith, to remember that God's love is with them, that God is with them no matter what comes their way. Whatever they may face, he says, nothing can separate them from the love of God. Nothing, nothing present, nothing past, No power or principality, no person is greater than God's love for us. In other words, Paul says to the Romans, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't no river wide enough to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Paul states that he is convicted, he is convinced Assuring us that this is not just some passing impression for him. This is an unshakable truth. And what Paul is proposing is not just some content to comprehend, some basic truth to understand here, or some beautiful saying to keep here. Paul is saying God's love is a reality to experience fully in every facet of our lives. It is an unmoving, unchanging, founding principle upon which we can build everything. God, Paul says, is intimately involved in the day-to-day, moment-to-moment life of his people, devoted to us eternally and we to him through our faith. Paul encourages us to look no further than the cross and see the unquestionable evidence of just how much God loves us. And if God loves us, Paul contends, what can possibly stop us? What can possibly stand in our way? Well, we know when we sin and fall short of following after God, we construct obstacles. Stone by stone, shovelful by shovelful, bucketful by bucketful, we build up seemingly insurmountable mountains between ourselves and the one who loves us. We dig seemingly intractable valleys between the source of all our strength and us. 
We carry the water that creates the seemingly relentless rivers that course between us and our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sustainer. We create realities through our sin where everything seems impassable for us. And we begin to ask ourselves, what is there? What is there about ourselves to love? Over time, we begin to convince ourselves that we are so unlovable that no one can overlook the mountains and the valleys we have created for ourselves. We become convinced that there is no one who can overlook our shortcomings, who can love us right where we are, just the way we are. It's a miserable proposition, but it's one so many of us live by. Paul assures us in the scripture today that we do not have to live like this, that there is one who looks beyond our sin, one who sent his son to the cross knowing how sinful we were, how sinful we are, and how sinful we will be, and loves us just the same, just the way we are. And that one is God. On our trip to Alaska, In Skagway, I got the chance to meet a local celebrity of sorts. His name was Slinky Jenkins. It's not his real name, obviously. It's the name he goes by with the countless tourists who roll off of cruise ships and choose to participate in the excursion company that employs him. This excursion promises a trip to a real mining camp, just like the one you might have lived in if you were one of the 100,000 prospectors that came to the region during the Klondike Gold Rush in 1898. And early during our excursion, Slinky chose me to be his assistant, (laughs) which means the butt of all his jokes. But near the end of our time together, Slinky looked over at me and asked me what I did for a living. (laughs) Now, this is a question, honestly, I fear. It is not because I am ashamed of the gospel. It is not because I'm ashamed of Jesus Christ, because I am neither. I am not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the Bible. And I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I'm not ashamed of being a pastor. But in my 20 years of experience in ministry, When I tell people that I'm a pastor, they often begin to backtrack on everything they shared previously in our conversation, and they begin to rewind what it is they said. They begin to apologize profusely for any untoward comments or coarse language they might have used previously. And then they proceed, for the rest of the time we're together, to avoid me at all costs. Some of you who are lawyers or doctors may know the feeling. But when I shared with Slinky that I was indeed a pastor and a Methodist one at that, I got a reaction I have very rarely experienced. He stopped his scripted presentation. He dropped his gruff affect and his fake drawl. And he looked me in the eye and he began to talk to me. Talk to me about his life and his past. He shared that many of Slinky's family were Methodist pastors back in Airy, North Carolina, where he grew up. He let his guard down, and in doing so, invited me into his real life. My disclosure this time was met with actual connection. 
And as he noticed the group was a little shocked by the sudden change in his demeanor, he returned to, his fully, em- to fully embrace his slinkiness and asked if we could eat lunch later. And I said yes. And at lunch, Slinky told me his real name and shared that he had a tough time growing up after his father had died when he was young. At 17, he packed up his belongings and he hit the rails, hitching rides on trains to cities throughout the United States. And because his father had worked in Alaska and spoke quite often about how beautiful it was, Slinky had ultimately landed there to find work with the excursion company. He rolled up his sleeves and he rolled up his pant legs to show me a multitude of tattoos that in their own unique way told the story of his life. Each tattoo had signified an experience along the rails or in his life that he thought was worth remembering. He shared with me that he met a lot of people through his work, but felt that God had truly forged a connection between us. And there, in the valley, between two ranges of towering mountains, next to a roaring river, God's love showed up and showed us that nothing could stop him from connecting two people in his name. And as our boat left the port and we continued along our trip, my family and I, we talked a lot about Slinky. We still do. We still use some of his jokes around our house. And I know, for whatever reason, God connected Slinky and I on that day. And I know, without a doubt, that God will continue to work in and through his life to reveal what God ultimately has planned for him out of God's great love for a man named Slinky Jenkins. Throughout the word of God, we see reminders that God can overcome anything we create that seems to separate us from him. No matter how far we run or how hard we try to get away, God can overcome anything to connect us, to companion us, and to love us. Isaiah 40 says this, God will lift up every valley, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. The mountains, the valleys, and the rivers of our lives can cause a separation. They can seem too high or too low and may ultimately feel impassable for us, but God, through Jesus Christ, mows them down. He flattens them out. He fords across them to create a way when it seems there isn't a way. Because as our scripture today reminds us and as our experience in faith tells us, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing, nothing in our past, nothing in our present, nothing in our future, in our life, in this world or in the next, nothing we create, nothing we construct, nothing we dig ourselves into or try valiantly to dig ourselves out of, nothing is too high, nothing is too deep, nothing is too wide or too low for God to overcome and love us. Nothing can stop the love of God through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, through his triumphant resurrection, and through his ongoing care for us in the Holy Spirit. Now, even with these assurances 
There are times in life where we feel conquered. On October 14th, 1967, a year after they recorded this song, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Tammy Terrell collapsed on stage while performing with Marvin Gaye. She was rushed to a local hospital where doctors there found that Tammy had a massive inoperable brain tumor. And just three years later, on March 16th, at the age of 24, Tammy Terrell died. Marvin Gaye was sent into a tailspin, personally and professionally. Overwhelmed by his grief over Tammy's death, he felt conquered by this great significant loss. But over time, with the love of God and the loving support of friends and family, he dealt with those emotions along his journey of grief. He recorded one of his most famous albums, What's Going On? As your care and support pastor, I have companioned many through the stinging pain of death and the journey of grief. And in those moments, I know, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and through the wilderness of our grief, we feel conquered. But we are not conquered, not even by death. Paul reminds us we are more than conquerors in and through the unfailing love of the Lord, the one who goes to the cross to cover our sin, the one who goes to the grave to conquer our death, the one who rises in victory to fight every battle right by our side. Friends, we are not conquered. We are conquerors. In fact, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And God, in his love, has so much more in store for us. If we will trust steadfastly in this love, God's love, and live our lives out of this unshakable love as our reality, we will move out of our feeling of unlovedness to an undeniable reality of belovedness. And in our confidence, we will share God's love with all those around us. And we will do our own work of moving mountains by reaching out our hands, by opening our hearts, by giving our lives in acts of sacrificial love in the name of Jesus Christ. In closing, I want us to never forget that there ain't no mountain high enough, that there ain't no river wide enough, that there ain't no valley low enough to keep us away from God's love. Because God has poured out through his son Jesus love of the most powerful and unbreakable kind. And the absolute last word of this message and the absolute last word on God is this, love. Let us pray. Everlasting God, the one whom our hearts and souls love, O God, O love that will not let us go, we lift our lives to you asking for you to remind us day by day, moment by moment, breath by breath, how great your love is for us. 
even when we feel unlovable, convinced by the world around us, convinced by the situations we create that there is no way your love can break through into our lives. You crash through our mountains. You flatten out valleys. You make the rough places plain to display your overwhelming, never-ending love. A love that chases us down and fights for us and with us. A love that leaves everything behind to find us, even when we feel hopelessly and helplessly lost. So God, lighten our every darkness with the light of your love that has been with us and for us, fighting every battle alongside us from the beginning of time to this present moment and into an eternal future. Oh God, through your Son, Jesus Christ, we lift this prayer to you as more than conquerors. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.